Welcome to Season 1 of American Political History, to Squantum. There was a feeling of unease spreading over the village of Plymouth. Samoset had been talking with the elders all afternoon and into the evening. Everything was going great, except the dusk was quickly approaching. It was time for him to be on his way that day. But he was their guest, and establishing friendly native relations was extremely important to everyone in Plymouth. If they asked him to leave, they would clearly be being rude. It got late, and then even later, unease was spreading over Plymouth. They didn't know that Samoset had knowledge of English custom, knowing that typically if it got too late, a guest would be invited to stay in someone's home. Biding his time, he waited. Surely, one of the English would not be so fearful that they would fail to invite him to sleep the night in their home. And by the way, these homes were one-bed shelters for the whole family. It was very intimate. Eventually, Samoset would be invited to stay the night. The next morning, he left Plymouth, returning to Massasoit, with word that he was treated as an honored guest. Massasoit himself decided he would visit Plymouth a few days later. Massasoit was described by the English as a regal and powerful figure. Almost larger than life, he dominated the world as if it was his stage. Massasoit also had a special tool in his tool bag. Essentially a slave, or at the very least an indentured servant, Squanto had gotten himself into that low status when his nation had to be incorporated into Massasoit's Narragansett nation. Squanto was a diminutive name, which is a name given to a warrior who was unable to protect his people and a permanent reminder of his low station as a slave in native society. His original name had been Tisquantum. He had been one of those captured by the English captain pretending to trade. Tisquantum had been sold in Spain as a slave, then purchased by monks who took him to England, who educated him to speak English. He would live in England a few years, before eventually being taken to Newfoundland, where he convinced some English captains that there was gold enough for them all in New England. But once he got them to sail past his home cove in New England, he jumped overboard and swam to shore, only to find out that his fellow Patuxet had all been wiped out. After some negotiations between Massasoit and Plymouth, through Squanto's interpreting, Massasoit and the Pilgrims signed the Pilgrim-Wampanoag Treaty of 1621, agreeing to mutual aid in any conflicts, open trade, and good relations of friendship. And, and I'm sure him interpreting helped, Squanto would stay the summer with the Pilgrims to share his knowledge of fishing and growing native crops. To Squantum's knowledge would become even more critical when all of the seeds brought from Europe failed to yield any crops in the American climate. This is another one of those oversights that seems simple today, but truly no one had any idea in 1620. Although New England and Spain share the same latitude, they have very different climates. The English had brought Mediterranean crops, assuming at the same latitude you'd have a warmer climate like Spain. As we all know today, New England is not Spain. Tisquantum would teach them how to make native fishing nets and native techniques for fishing. He would educate them on how to grow maize in the traditional way of fish body fertilization. 
It is not an exaggeration to say that Tisquantum saved Plymouth Colony in the winter of 1621. Those words would come right from the writings of the founders of the Plymouth Colony. Which brings us to the key to Plymouth's success. Their goal was to establish a community and make friendship with the natives around them. And luckily for them, they found a willing partner in Massasoit. In October of 1621, under the tutelage of Tisquantum, Plymouth experienced a bountiful harvest. The pilgrims decided to have a traditional fall harvest feast and invited their new friend Massasoit. As word spread of this invitation, the surviving 50 pilgrims, along with 130 Wampanoag warriors, took part in this great feast. And this feast is the foundational story of the Thanksgiving holiday celebrated in the United States today. A holiday centered around giving thanks for what you have, including friends, family, and food. But the settlers in Plymouth had miscalculated the amount of food that they would need, because in November of 1621, the Merchant Adventurers Company of London would send a boat with 37 more settlers, who they sent to Plymouth without any extra supplies, and these extra mouths to feed put Plymouth back on the edge of starvation. Another problem they started facing in Plymouth was that random Wampanoag warriors would show up expecting to be fed as guests. Plymouth could not turn them away without risking offense to Massasoit. So they decided a totally reasonable course of action that definitely would not have happened in Jamestown. They sent the lieutenant governor to go talk to Massasoit about this issue. Massasoit found this hilariously funny, but said that he was not sending any of these delegations, and he did understand that it had gotten out of hand a little bit. Plymouth was now feeding guests two to three times per week. After all, what warrior would want to go hunting for food if he could just swing by Plymouth and enjoy a hot meal? Massasoit agreed that the pilgrims were only obligated to feed his official representatives, as he theirs. The pilgrims then gave Massasoit a bronze chain necklace and said to send anyone speaking for him with the necklace and they would treat them with the hospitality they would give Massasoit himself. Otherwise, they're going to stop feeding random trickster warriors. The crisis was averted. But the next year, the pilgrims did face real crises. In May of 1622, they heard that Massasoit and Tisquantum were being held against their will by the sachem of the Sagamore named Corbitant. The pilgrims sent out a militia force to rescue their friends. They engaged in skirmish with some of the Sagamore warriors, but quickly found out that Massasoit had escaped captivity himself. This all might have been a mistranslation that Massasoit was being held up or held captive in the court of the Sagamore, not that he was actually being kidnapped. But the pilgrims had shown off impressive military force against Corbitant's warriors, and by September of 1622, a treaty was signed between Massasoit, Corbitant, and the pilgrims, pledging loyalty to King James of England, and as they were all English subjects now, of course, for mutual defense against anyone else. Also in May of 1622, the Merchants Adventurers Company of London sent a ship to start a second colony, which stopped by Plymouth and demanded much of their supplies. After all, in the company's perspective, the pilgrims had neglected their contractual duties. It was the very least of the company's rights to ask for the pilgrims to give them all the trade goods. By September, the colony of Wessagusset was established north of Plymouth in Massachusetts Bay, near about the same location as Boston today. Wessagusset was in the mold of Jamestown, not Plymouth. 
It was full of ruffians, convicts, and whomever else the company could round up from England. This colony failed to grow food and quickly started to fall apart, some of the inhabitants even selling their labor as servant slaves to local natives in exchange for food. Plymouth, hearing of rumors of an impending native attack on West Augustine, decided to take action. Miles Standish, who was in charge of the militia, lured two prominent Massachusetts chiefs into a meeting with him, where he and his men, without warning, would surprise attack, stab, and murder these Massachusetts leaders. The incidents would cause fear in the local nations of a larger Jamestown-like pillaging and assault upon native villages in the region. The local native people would flee their villages for some weeks out of fear of English brutality. This fear cut the pilgrims off from trade with other natives besides the Wampanoag and Sagamore. The end result of this treacherous and hostile action was not to save Wessagusset. For Wessagusset had been doomed from the very start. They had every problem that Jamestown had, but the company was not going to send supplies. The only winner of this pilgrim violence was Massasoit, who was now the main trading partner with the pilgrims and had very little competition from other fearful nations around. But the Pilgrims did receive good news in the spring of 1623. The Merchant Adventures Company of London would send 96 more settlers to Plymouth. But this time it would include many remaining Pilgrims that had been living in Leiden while waiting for a second wave to get to Plymouth. This was a warm reunion for many after years of hardship. But in 1623, there was almost complete catastrophe. In the fall... Massasoit would become dangerously sick. Plymouth would send Edward Winslow, who would later become governor, with food and medicine. Along the way, he encountered a group of native warriors who told him that the sachem Massasoit had passed away already and that Winslow should return home instead of risking the travel in the current snowy weather. It was a 40-mile walk. This was a massive blow. Massasoit had been Plymouth's stalwart friend and ally. Without his assistance, Plymouth would have never become anything more than another starved, failed English colony. Winslow decided that Massasoit was such a respected friend that he would continue to travel by foot in the snow to pay the respects to a friend from a grateful Plymouth colony. Only to find out when he arrived at Massasoit's village that Massasoit was still alive, if barely. Those warriors had been part of a rival political group inside of the Wampanoag who wanted to challenge Massasoit's sachemship and his policy of friendship with the pilgrims. Having heard the rumors of English medicine, they wanted to head off the English representative and get him to go back home. Both stopping any chance of English medicine could prevent Massasoit's death and to show Plymouth's disrespect of the soon-to-be-passed Wampanoag sachem because in both cultures, it's highly offensive to ignore a friend's passing. These were politics worthy of any court. But Winslow was able to identify the infection. He scraped out Massasoit's mouth and throat, fed him the broth that he brought, and after this treatment, Massasoit would collapse into a restful sleep, reviving the next day grateful for his friend's aid. This example, and other examples of friendship, would solidify the peace between Plymouth and the Wampanoag Confederacy. And this peace would last more than a generation, which is longer than can be said for almost any country in Europe or other colony in the Americas. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating and share the show with someone you think would enjoy listening. 
Thank you again, and until next time.